0: tournament. Ozar uh, House is holding a fundraiser for the golf tournament and where's Gary? Gary's right down front. If you are interested in uh, helping and being part of the golf tournament, come and talk, talk to Gary uh, after the service today. He will be there and he can answer any of the questions that you have about the golf tournament. The other thing, youth. We do have a youth group tonight so come on back here tonight 6 o'clock. Invite your friends. Uh, we're going to have a great time. We're going to continue our study. Through the book of Esther, we're gonna be back in Esther. So make sure you come back tonight. We're gonna to have a great time tonight. We will be here at the church six o'clock. Pastor Tim, he doesn't usually wear his chaps in church, Not usually. but he is today.
1: <laughs> good to see you today, and uh, good to be outside, isn't it? The worst of the Lord outside. It's out of the ordinary and. And um, we're usually confined inside, but it's nice to be out in the great outdoors that the Lord has made and uh, to be able to worship Him together out here. And then the Lord give us, like, the perfect day? I mean, we can truly thank Him for that. The smoke is gone, you can see the mountains, and um, praise the Lord, and the temperature's about right. And I hope you all got a full belly. I'm um, getting some biscuits and gravy. I want to say a special thank thank you to uh, Carl and Marlene Hello. and Aaron. Hello. Carl and Marlene and Aaron kind of spearheaded that work on at all this week. They were down here at 6 this morning and um, so if they fall asleep while I'm preaching, we'll forgive them. Anyway, if you're visiting with us today, we're glad you're with us. This isn't what we normally do. We didn't build a building to be outside, but it's hard to not want to be outside on a day like today. So if you're visiting with us, we want to just say thank you for being here and uh, to welcome you to our service, to our church, to our church family and uh, we're glad you're with us today. So the men have a little packet of information. If you would, please slip up your hand. They'll get it into your hands, fill out the visitor card. We're gonna pass hats today, not offering plates. And so when the offering plate goes by later in the service, the hat, please drop that visitor card in so we have a record of your visit and uh, we know you were with us. Probably won't get an opportunity today to greet each one of you by person and by hand. Um, so just so glad you're here. A Couple things I do want to mention today. Um, there are various things in the bulletin. I don't know if you got a bulletin when you came in today. Um, if you didn't, they're around here somewhere. Grab them, there's a lot of different announcements. Juana's uh, getting started up. Uh, we've got a men's breakfast coming up. New members meeting. Next Sunday, there is a reception for Nathan and Becky, and um, we're excited for that uh, next Sunday in the afternoon. And so make note of all those things. During the rest of the service, if somebody tells you to stand up, disregard them. Okay? Because if you're in the back and you're all standing, you can't see these people because it's not up on a stage. So if Andy forgets and says, stand up when we're worshiping, Just thumb your nose out of him and stay seated. And we'll worship the Lord seated today, okay? Because that'll help everybody. If I'm not carrying well enough at some time during this, somebody in the back, yell at me or scream or do something. Wave your hand so I know just to speak up a little bit louder in case I get a little bit down in the volume. One other time in my life, I've spoken from a horse's back. That was at a wedding. I did a wedding on a horse's back, and I survived it. So we'll see how the day goes. Um, and uh, it may be the shortest sermon you've ever heard. We'll just see how the day goes. Okay, a couple of things I do want to mention. It is so good to have with us today Dean and Lori Loftus. I don't know where they are. There. Dean, would you want to come up and give us a little update on how the summer went? You can drag your wife up, up if you want. She may not want to. But uh, you guys do whatever you feel good with. Dean, it's so good to have you. you. Yeah, talk from that mic, but don't touch it.
2: Don't touch it. (laughs) All right. So uh, it is great to be here with you today. I am uh, Dean Loftus. I serve as the director of Red Cliff Bible Camp. And uh, the people right behind us there, um, we're talking about being in RVs. And uh, so uh, I know that they are here for the summer. And so some of you might not know about Redcliffe, so I'll give you a little update. We were able to run camp this year. Um, last year with COVID, we were not able to do that. We focused on building, rebuilding the building. But this summer we were able to run camp. Uh, we had a great summer. We had uh, 246 campers come over five weeks. Uh, that represented 51 churches, yours being one of them. And that was campers from eight different states. And so we're just rejoicing in that. We had 73 volunteers this summer working on the building or helping in the uh, camp ministry. And that represented 26 churches. And uh, so we're just rejoicing in all of that. Um, One thing about camp is it's a place of decision. And Red Cliff exists to serve churches and to be a tool that the church can use to further their work in people's lives. And so we're rejoicing in 40 decisions this summer, 11 young people God brought to salvation and uh, seven got assurance of salvation and then 22 other Christian walk decisions, people deciding to give their lives to God and to follow him. And so we're rejoicing in that. So Um, regarding the building, lots of progress this summer. And uh, some things you need to know that are exciting, um, the fire suppression is within finishing site. We have, uh, we have the pump room built, and that's where the fire suppression pumps will go. All the fire suppression sprinklers and pipe is in the building. And uh, we have a company that donated polypipe, and they're going to put a pipeline up to some tanks that were donated. So we have water supply. When you have a well, it's really hard to uh, to focus fire suppression like they'd like to see it. So that's why we have to have the tanks, and those things were donated. And this last week, the site was prepped for the tanks to sit on, and so we're excited about that. Uh, the sheetrock was donated in November, sixteen thousand dollars worth of sheetrock. Those of you that uh, those of you that hate putting up sheetrock, the other part that's really exciting about that for us is that. Uh, the company that donated it is going to send a crew and hang it and finish it. And so we're excited about that. Um, the windows are in the building, and the doors were ordered in May. So this is a prayer quest. We ordered the doors in May, and we have uh, 13 door frames, no doors. And that's just the exterior doors. And so to get the building weathered in so that we can uh, work through the winter, we need to get those doors in place. And so pray that those doors will come and that we will be able to get those in. The soffit is 60% done, and uh, we are uh, waiting for uh, some more of that material so we can finish up the soffit. That will dry in the building with the doors, windows, and soffit, and then we'll be able to work through the winter. Um, The goal is that next summer we'll have partial occupancy so we can use the building, and that will be a blessing. Uh, For those of you that don't know, the uh, original lodge that... uh, We had at Redcliffe burned in the winter of 2017. And uh, we've been working with temporary facilities and things to uh, make camp go forward. And now we're at a point where we're close enough to see some partial occupancy next summer, as the Lord wills. So pray with us about that, that God would uh, do that work. And uh, we're just excited about what he has continued to do. And the last thing I want to just mention is uh, two of our staff families The Bores and the McGills are supported by your church as missionaries, and we thank you for that. You support our team so that we can do the work at Redcliffe for his glory. So thank you. Thank you, Pastor Tim. How's Dick doing? Dick is, uh, cancer is in remission, and uh, he is uh, is, uh, doing well and doing what he can at the camp. Just celebrated his 74th birthday. So, okay. All right.
1: Great. Thank you, Dean. I don't always preach with my hat on, but I'm not going to pray with my hat on. I'm gonna take my hat off, guys. Let's take our hats and, and uh, do just something out of the ordinary for myself. You can't probably do this, but I'm just going to bend the knee uh, here in the grass. And let's, let's just humble ourselves before the Lord and um, ask him to really intervene in our nation at this time. Lord, we come before you, we thank you for the privilege it is to live in America. Most of us who never have really been overseas much, some of us have, some of us have been in war zones or countries where freedom is, is non-existent. Most of us just take it for granted. It's the air we breathe. I thank you that our children, our grandkids have been given this tre- tremendous gift. Thank you that we can meet outside, cars going by, we can carry our Bibles, we can sing praises to your name, and we can do so with no fear. Lord, we know that's not the case for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan today. We pray for them. We pray your mercy. Your grace. I pray for our men and women in the military or perhaps people who are just there as a private individual to try to help this situation. Many people, Lord, whose lives are at risk. Many who have laid down their life. Grieving families, veterans. Lord, I pray that during this time our nation would stop dodging the issue and that we as a people would see that we have walked far from you. I pray that you would forgive our president for the blasphemy he spoke when he quoted scripture, a man who is overseeing the death of thousands of infants in our country and making it easier. Forgive him for that blasphemy and bring him to repentance. Lord, as we praise your name, may we not be a people who draw near you with our lips and our heart is far from you. I pray for our brother Rick. Heal his body. Pray for these doors that need to be given, got brought to the camp, that they could be installed before winter. You know that need. And Lord, for each of us that's here today, I pray that you would touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Dave?
3: I'm going to read Psalm 32. And I won't touch the microphone. Selah I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin Selah therefore let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found Surely the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with the shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding which must be curbed with bitten bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart.
4: you may stay seated. Uh, The the next song we're going to do is Blessed Assurance, page 11.
0: is my story
4: sweet to trust in Jesus, and that is page 19. It is so sweet to
0: trust in Jesus.
4: to trust in
0: Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his house just to know the sick of the Lord Jesus Jesus how I trust him how I prove him Lord and Lord, Jesus Jesus for grace to trust in God. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust His cleansing blood, just in sinful faith to punch Him. He does nearly cleansing blood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, Lord, please Jesus trust more. I'm so glad I learned to trust Him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend.
4: Our last song before the message is uh, page 8 above all page 8 We're going to sing through the song I totally we'll have a little
0: interlude and then we'll sing for people song and sing it through, uh, once more
1: Okay, as we start today, I just want to share a couple things about what I'm doing, Um, hopefully to give a little bit of a framework to what my goal is today, Um, speaking to you. Obviously, this is a lot different sermon than we normally have on a Sunday morning inside as we're studying through the Book of Romans. Uh, I also want you to know I'm not doing this because I think... I'm the greatest horse trainer in the world, I'm the next Clinton Anderson, or no, I'm not here to show off, my goal is to use the horse, and some lessons from working with a horse to relate to life and to scripture, and so I want you to think about it that way, you know, I was even just sitting down this week, I was thinking about how many times in scripture God builds an analogy from the animal kingdom. Dave read to us Psalm 32 today. In Psalm 32, he said, don't be like the horse or mule that has to be held in with bit or bridle. Be like the one who I can just instruct and teach with my eye upon you. So there's an analogy there that the Lord was building through David. A bunch of them. I came up with a ton. Like a dog returns to its... We won't use that analogy today. We didn't bring my dog. Or like a pig returns to its what? Wallow. Um, There's Yes. Oh, kids that are going to go to children's church, you can go if you're in third, three to six-year-old. I'm sorry, Laurel asked me to do that, and I forgot. If you're three to six and you want to go to children's church, go with Laurel now. Um, Serpents, doves, you know, he says, be wise as a serpent. Be as what? As a dove? harmless as a dove so there's all these analogies in scripture that god uses an animal or the animal kingdom to teach us a spiritual lesson and so that's what i hope to do today so what i'm going to do is first of all i'm going to have a lesson that i just kind of developed for you teens and preteens and kids that are younger than that you can put this away in your thinking i've done this before at cowboy church but i'm going to do it again in just a second And then I'm going to speak more to us as adults, although you kids will get a lot out of it too, I think. But what I want to do is, so I'm going to be doing things. I won't always be looking at you, but I'll try to be talking and explaining while I'm doing what I'm doing, so hopefully you understand and you can hear. Can everybody hear me in the back? Am I okay? Okay, okay, not very great. I'll try to speak up just a little bit so you can hear better, so I'm going to saddle my horse, and I'm going to talk to you about saddling, now there again, there's a lot of you in here, who this is like old hat, you know what's going on, you've done this a thousand times, you could do it in your sleep, okay, give me your ear anyway, some of you don't know anything about this, so this is all new to you, when you saddle a horse, basically, you know, in the morning when you're going to go do something with your horse, this is Cheyenne, by the way, She's probably 14 or 15. I got her as a yearling and um, she spent her whole life with us basically besides the first about nine months of her life. And she's been a good horse and um, I think she'll do a good job for me here today. But when, you, when you're going to saddle a horse, obviously, first thing you're going to do in the morning is you're going to clean her up. If she's been rolling in the mud or whatever, you're going to make sure you don't have a bunch of mud. That could soar her especially where her girth is, where you're going to cinch her. You want to make sure that's clean. You're also probably, hopefully, going to have checked your gear. You don't want, you know, a burr under a saddle pad. We've all heard that little analogy. Um, not only could that conceivably get you in trouble, probably wouldn't get you in trouble. More what it's about, it's like if you're going to go hunting guys and you've got a pebble in the bottom of your shoe. How comfortable is that? And you, so you think about that, if you got something under your saddle pad, and it's sitting right here on her back, and your big old tush is sitting above it, you know, that's not the most pleasant day for her, and you sure could end up with a sore, and then she's not going to be able to work as well for you in days ahead. So, of course, obviously, first thing you're going to do is you're going to use two saddle pads, and um, you're going to put them on her, and you're going to situate them so that your saddle's going to align where you're where your cinch is going to be here, right for her girth, and then you're going to put your saddle on. When you do this, obviously, you don't want to, like, just chuck it up on her and let it fly on her back, same way better than 30 pounds, and um, it's probably not the best way to start the day for her, for you to do that, and uh, yet... You know, if you've trained your horse, she's used to this stuff coming over, and it's not going to, like, spook her crazy. I say that. We'll see. But normally it doesn't. You know, she's dealing with you today. She's wondering what all you booger men are out there. But i got to use my back because I'm getting older, or my knee, and I'll sling it up there. <laughs> I'll make sure it's situated that my pads are settled up nice. This is my front latigo. And i'm going to come and i'm going to drop my cinches down i don't got a breast collar i don't use a breast collar except in certain situations so this my saddle is rigged with a front and a back cinch it's important to know your front cinch is what's really connecting your saddle to your horse not the back cinch your back cinch you know, you're coming down a steep hill, it's going to keep you from going like that. If you rope a bull, it's going to keep that as well from your saddle tipping uh, when you've got a lot of weight on the end of your rope, things like that. When you start, you reach down, you bring your cinch up, you bring your ladder go through. And you're gonna come back up through that ring. You're gonna work it. You're gonna make sure you don't have any twists in your line to go as you go. And then you're just gonna simply, there again, you're not gonna like get on the end of this thing and just horse away on it. That's not a very comfortable thing for you just like you when you put on your shoes. So you're just gonna ease it up and you're going to tighten it, but you're going to realize you're going to have to go back and tighten it again, right? Reason is, when I just put that on, she blew her chest as far out as she possibly could with air, because she knows what's coming. Okay, and so after a few minutes, she's going to release a lot of that air, and her chest's going to kind of shrink back down, and that's going to affect her back, too, so you're going to bring your going to snug that you don't want this thing hanging super loose when you're riding through the hills if you do you could have a stick or something go between there and you could have a wreck but you know there again this cinch is there for a specific purpose but it's not there to hold you to the animal when i take this saddle off Now this is where the lesson is, kids. When I put this on, the very first thing that I did was this cinch. I snugged it up, and I know my saddle is there. It's not gonna... If she all of a sudden pulls back or freaks out, my saddle is not gonna end up underneath her belly. It's there. This cinch, isn't going to hold it there. There's a specific order there. This is first, and then this. Now when I'm going to unsaddle at the end of the day, I'm going to work in reverse. I'm not going to take this off first, because if I do, she, my saddle is still attached right here. And if something spooks her and she jumps, my saddle's going to sling under her belly. When I was first working as a cowboy in in the Cody area, I was up at a cow camp on Robert's Roost Creek, and I was using a horse, his name was Sage. He was kind of a meathead, and he used to always pull back. And I knew that, so I didn't tie him up. It was early in the morning, it was first thing in the morning. And he was a spooky little piece of work. And I'd thrown my saddle on, and I was half awake, Without thinking, I put this cinch on first and then went to proceed to begin to cinch him here. And as I was beginning to cinch, he blew up, came apart, went backwards, and in that mix, my saddle, brand new saddle, by the way, ended up under his belly. He went down the trail packing precious mail doing everything in his power with his back feet, trying to reach forward and tear my saddle to pieces. So I went about 300 yards down the trail, finding pieces of my saddle, and finally there it all was. Had to put it all back together. Felt like shooting Sage. I did not, but felt like shooting him because it was my fault. Now here's the lesson, kids. I want you to listen to this. The order is important. If you don't do it in the right order in life, you'll have a wreck. Now, here's the order. And the world says this order does not matter. But let me tell you, it does. First comes love. Then comes marriage. Then comes what? Baby in a baby carriage. That's the order. Kids, listen to me. God put it in that order to protect you. And you get it out of that order, you will have a wreck. We'll help you pick up the pieces. And God can put your life back together by his grace. But life does not have to be lived that way. Do it God's way. The order is important. The order is important. It's for your own good. Okay? That's the beginning lesson. Now, what I want to just talk to you today about, and by the way, there's no clock here that I can see. So I'm going with the sun. I'm going to do the Indian thing and follow the sun. So if I get long, somebody shoot me down. But I'm sure I won't. You'll always see, too, like if I, the other day, we had to, I told you at Cowboy Church about a bull that was, hold on a second, I'm getting old, that was hurt, and we gave a shot to, we had to load him the other day in the trailer, and I didn't even do this here, there is a reason for order, um, and, uh, so we had to load him in a horse trailer the other day up, up the creek, and, uh, Everybody broke out their rope. Come on, step up. And um, step up. Get my notes here. But before anybody got ropes on the bull, everybody got off and tightened their cinch again. And there is a lesson there. Okay. If you got a Bible and you want to turn, you can. The scripture this morning is Proverbs 22, verse 6. This is probably the best-known proverb in the Bible. Probably one of the most most often quoted. I want to use it to build the message this morning. I'm going to relate it to you as parents. I also want to think about it related to spiritual parenting. Discipling people. Right? Paul was not a physical parent, but he looked at himself as a spiritual father who was parenting the churches. That was the relationship. So I want to just talk about some lessons for you with parenting. If you're raising kids, I hope you'll use this. If you're done raising kids, I hope you'll use it as you work with people uh, for the kingdom. As you parent and for the glory of God, your spiritual children. Okay, so the ver- here's the verse. Ready? Train up a child, right? In what? The way he should go, even when he is old, he what? Won't depart from it. In that proverb, there is both promise. We like that part. There's also command. Isn't there? Parents, train your kids. Parents, train your kids. That's implied there. It's a command. He says, you don't do this, they're not going to do the, the rest of the verse. The promise ain't going to come true. So he says, parents, here's the, here's the command. Train your children. What? In the way they should go, when they are old, they will what? Not depart from it. So here's the message. The verb train is a Hebrew word, Hanak. You can hear another word in that that is the extension of that word. It's the word Hanukkah. you ever heard the word Hanukkah? The feast of what? Dedications. The feast of inaugurations. The feast of dedications or the feast of Hanukkah is related to when Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated the temple. It was then restored and rededicated or inaugurated to the work of the Lord. It was, so it's Hanukkah. This is the word Hanak, translated here train, but this is what the word is, okay? It's inaugurate or it's this start. Start start a child in the way he should go even when he is old he will not depart from it if you know anything about horses when you talk about a horse getting to the age where you're going to begin to use it you say I'm going to take it to the trainer and he is going to what? start it for me he's going to start it it's a process we call it the starting of a horse and then when the horse is getting to the finishing stages, you say what? It is finished. In the old days, they used to send girls to what? Finishing school. Finishing school. So, he's saying here, start a child right. This horse, in order for it to be useful to me, I want it started right. I want it to come to me or when I get, you know, working with it. I don't want to have to deal with a bunch of other people's mess. I want to start it right. Now, I don't want you to think about start here in this verb to train as just early childhood education. I want you to think about the whole process where your kids are under your roof for 18 years. And I want you to think about it like... Your kids are given to you and you have a responsibility to start them for the glory of God. And if you do it, they'll be a blessing to you. They'll be useful. They'll be useful for the kingdom. Start them right. Now here's the lesson. In order to start my horse right, I'm going to relate some things. Obviously, she's way past the age of starting. There's three things that I want you to think about. And then we'll finish up. Number one, in order to start a horse well, you need to build a bond. You need to build a bond. We'll develop that in a minute. Number two. In order to start the horse right, I have to know what I'm aiming at. What am I aiming at? What do I want? Number three, I have to be patient as I teach. Okay? This isn't going to be rocket science. It's going to be real easy, and I think anybody can grab it. Number one, as I work with this horse, I have to build a bond. You say it's a horse. Yeah. It doesn't have, an animal doesn't have the imago day. It's not created in the image of God, but it's a leaving, living, breathing being that has a will, that has emotions, that has desires, that relates. I need to build a bond with it. I need to treat it That's what it is. I told you last week I just bought a horse. His name is Jack. He's seven years old. I'm using him some. I'll talk about him in a minute. I'm trying to build a bond with him right now, but he's got seven years of other owners and other experiences that I don't know anything about. And so I'm trying to figure him out, and you know what? He's trying to figure me out. He wants to know what I want from him. And we're trying to figure each other out, but it's going to take a little time. And you know what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to give him that time. And I'm just trying to build a bond. I'm not going to overload him. I'm not going to get mad at him and beat him on the head because he didn't do what I wanted him to do. That's going to be completely unhelpful. I'm going to build a bond. There has to be, in order for you to have a productive working relationship with this animal, I don't care, a horse or a dog or whatever it is, You have to have a trust relationship. There has to be mutual respect. And this animal needs to feel that it's safe with me. This animal needs to know I'm here to help her. I'm not here to hurt her. I'm going to ask her to do some things she doesn't know she may not even want to do. But if she knows I'm here for her, we're going to work through that. There's got to be a respect. There's got to be mutual respect and there's got to be a bond. And I just want to submit to you, some of you parents don't know your kids. You do not know your kids. You don't know what they like. You don't know what they're thinking about. You don't even know what's on their phone, heaven forbid. You have no deep relationship with your child. How well do you know your kids? You cannot train your child effectively if you do not. Your ears are shut off. That's lesson number one. Say, I don't know how to do that. Figure it out. I'll tell you something my dad did. He started to sense that his older boys were going south. He was a deacon in the church. He was involved in a bus ministry. He was doing everything at the church. He went into the pastor and he quit it all. And you know what he started doing? He started taking all of us boys fishing every Monday night. Doesn't sound very spiritual, but it made all the difference to this kid. Why? Because I knew my dad was willing to invest in me. It wasn't just about everybody else's kids. I'm not saying everybody else's kids are important. I hope you know that. But you're getting the message. You've got to build a bond with your kid. I can't get anywhere with this horse. This horse knows me as well as I know myself. We've been down so many trails. She knows me. Build a bond. Number two, here's the second lesson. Know what you're aiming at. Know what you're aiming at. Here's what I'm aiming at with a horse. Now, there are different people in here who have horses, and they're aiming at different things maybe. Some people want to take a horse and finish her or him so he's a rainer or a cutter or um, maybe a barrel horse or various things. Here's mine. This is what I'm aiming at. When I buy a horse, this is what I want. I want a usable ranch horse that I can trust. That's it in a sentence. That's what I want. This is probably only the second time in this horse's life she's been to town. So she is doing really good. I'm, I'm pleased. I wasn't quite sure. And she's just never been to town. What she is, is she is a usable ranch horse that I can completely trust. That's what I want. Now, different people who have horses want something different. That's okay. What I want is a usable ranch horse that I can trust. I can take this rope down. I can rope something, that calf can go behind her, and that rope can go up behind her tail, and she isn't going to unload me. We're going to figure it out. I want a horse I can trust. I want a horse that I can, my wife has her own horses, but I want, I want a horse I can put my grandson on with me. I want to be able to trust the horse. I don't want to try to kill me. I don't want to try to kill anybody, right? I want to trust it. That's what I want. A usable ranch horse that I can trust. Now, here's what God says. Train up a child in what? The way he should go. What do you want? Moms and dad? if all that you want from your kid is to have a good kid, Your kid can be a good kid and still go to hell. Do not labor to just have good kids. Labor away your life to have Godly kids who know Jesus Christ, who will serve Him, who would die for Him. Make that your aim. Make it your aim to raise your children in the way they should go. Jesus Christ said what? I am the way. Make that your goal. If you just want to have kids that get a good job, that have a nice home, live in suburban America, you may get what you want. They may be good kids. They may even be good American citizens. They may never darken the door of a church again. They may may never read their Bible. They may, may never know the Lord. I'm not saying the two can't go together, but I am saying this. Make it your aim. Know what you want and go for it. Okay, here's number three, and I'll have three points under it, and then I'll be done. Patiently Teach. Patiently teach. Every time you interact, I interact with a horse, I'm teaching it something. Every time. This horse never quits learning. It's always going to learn all of its life, and it's always going to learn from me something, and it's either going to be good or bad, and I'm either going to have to reteach it or start over or whatever. But but what I want you to see is you have to be patient in your endeavor to train. And so I'm going to give you three points that I want you to think about as you try to work patiently to train your kids. And they're going to relate to training with a horse. Number one is going to be start with the neck. Number two is going to be make, this is Ray Hunt, if you know anything about Ray Hunt, As you're working with kids or you're working with people, here it is, make the right thing easy and the wrong thing hard. That's not rocket science, but it works in this. I'll tell you where else it works, in your home. Make the right thing easy and the wrong thing hard. So, number one, start with the neck. Number two, make the right thing easy, the wrong thing hard. Number three is this, in life... You don't get to choose your battles, but you better win them. You hear this lie all the time, choose your battles. Meaning that there's, you know, no. That's not the way life works. In real life, you don't get to choose the battle. The kid does. Right? When you're at the grocery store and you're in the checkout line. In life... You don't get to choose the battles if you're the trainer. You better win them though. So let's talk about these three real quick. Number one, start with the neck. Okay. A horse is gonna follow its head. Okay? It's just gonna follow its head. So if you're on a horse and it just goes blows in two, I tell guys all the tell people all the time what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pull this horse's head around. To shut her down. I'm not a guy that likes to ride bucking horses. I just, I break too easy. I don't like to ride bucking horses. If a horse starts going ballistic on me, I'm going to shut her down. The way I'm going to shut her down is pull her around. She's got to follow her head. So if you pull her head around, she went from thinking about bucking to think about not falling on her side. Okay, so you pull her head around. That's what you're doing. A horse is going to follow its head. Now, it's going to follow its head in one of two ways. You've maybe seen this where a horse, its neck is like a board, and it never turns its neck. It never yields its neck. So when it turns, it's just like this. Okay? The whole animal is going. If, on the other hand, she turns her necks and goes, we're going in a half moon, and it's real easy, and it's real simple. And it all starts with the neck. Whenever I start a cult, very first thing that I want to do, I'm going to stand here probably for two or three days in short increments. I'm going to reach I'm going to take her by the head. I'm going to pull her neck around. I'm going to put it right under my my armpit. And I'm going to love on her. I'm going to make her yield to me her neck. Because I want her or him to learn to give me that neck. I want that neck as soft as it can be. Now, here's the verse. You can look it up. Proverbs 29, verse 1. He who is often reproved and stiffens his neck will suddenly be cut off without remedy. What is this whole thing about about the neck? The whole thing about the neck is this horse is willing to yield to me. It's willing to yield to me. It's submissive. The reason I put this at the top of the list is Mom and dad, if you do not start in a relationship with your children, a relationship of mutual respect, where you have built a bond, if you don't get this willingness in the neck from your kids, and everywhere you go, you see them with a stiff neck, you got a wreck. You got a wreck. Start with the neck. So all I'm just saying here is, as you work with your kids from childhood on up, the first thing that you got to do is you, the most important lesson in any lesson is a willing spirit, a willing heart, submission. Think about how many times God deals with us on that one. Okay? Second one, make the right thing easy, the wrong thing hard. You know, I'm I'm never going to beat on a horse. You could you can win a battle but lose the war by the way you treat an animal. You can get it to do what you wanted it to do, but because you lost your temper and you lost your cool, you didn't gain nothing. You now got an animal that's scared to death of you. It could be that way with your kids. That's not what I'm talking about. All I'm talking about is when, when this horse, and I'm working with it, I ask it to do something it's never done, and it does it with me, I'm going to bless that animal. If I come to a creek and she don't want to cross the creek or it's a bog, I know we can get across and she don't want to cross it, I'm going to correct her. I'm going to do it in the right way. I'm not going to beat on her, but I'm going to take my rein. I'm going to slap her in the fanny. I'm going to pull her around a couple of times. We're going to spin a couple circles. We're going to come back and try it again. Now, this is where we go into the third lesson, and then we'll be done. Third lesson is this. In life, you don't get to choose your battles, but you better win them. When you've got a colt and you're going to teach it to get in a horse trailer, it ain't going to want to get in a horse trailer. First time you bring it up to that horse trailer, If you let that horse win that battle, it will remember that for the rest of its life. You come up to a creek in the mountains, and you're going to cross a creek. And that horse throws a fit. It's never seen that creek. It does not want to go across it. Or a log. Maybe there's a bridge. Don't want to do it. If that animal would have just done it, there was no battle. But when that animal decided it's not going to do it, now, I am in a situation where I have to stop everything else I am doing and I've got to take time with that horse and we're going we're gonna to figure this out. I'm going to explain to you what winning looks like. But it's important you realize that in life, you don't get to choose your battles. When your child chooses a battle, you better stop everything else you're doing and face it. Because if you don't, that kid will never forget it, right, so you better deal with it, so I told you about Jack, my new horse, the other day I was riding, we were gathering some cows off the mountain, and Ty was with me in Asher, and uh, we were bringing some cows down, and one of the things I found out about Jack really quickly after having him was he's a buddy horse, he likes to be with other horses. He didn't want to be alone. So Ty took, the. we had a couple pair of cows. They ran down the trail, and Ty took off on his horse to get around him, and Asher was over in the trees, and my horse started pitching a fit. He wanted to go with him. I got him kind of settled down. We got over to them, got everything settled down. Two creeks we had to gather. One of us was going to be alone. I told Ty, you take Asher. You guys go that way. I'm going by myself because this horse don't want to be by itself. I knew it would not handle it with me on its back at the moment. So I didn't expect it to do something it couldn't handle. I got off of him, also because I didn't want to get hurt. And I got off him. I led him for a quarter mile down the trail. We got down in the timber away from Ty and Asher, and he at first was pawing the ground and throwing a fit. Fifteen minutes later, he was with me again and we were good. I got on his back, spent the rest of the day riding with him. Now, what I could have done was said, oh, I'm scared to be alone with him. So I'm going to stay right with Tyler for the rest of the day. His nose in Tyler's horse's rear end. It would have been a safe day and everything would have been good. I'd have managed it. But I'd have taught the very wrong lesson. Right? Because this Jack chose to make a battle for me. I had to win it. Now, winning that battle does not look like doing it perfectly. Jack didn't do it perfect. It wasn't perfect. I couldn't expect that from him. He's not ready for perfect. But he did okay. And once we got away and he settled down, He was willing to yield to me again. And you know what? That was good. Moms and dads, when you're dealing with an issue with your kid, you don't have to expect them to do it perfectly. They're not going to. Good enough is good enough. And what's good enough? A willingness to yield. When you get your child to that point good enough, right, start a horse in the way it should go, now that she's older, she won't depart from it, every day I get on her, is a blessed day, and it's a good day, and things are good, why, because she was started right, since she was started right, she's a blessing, start a child in the way of Christ, The way they should go, you'll have a blessing the rest of your life. You won't have to send them off to finishing school. You won't have to send them to somebody else to fix them. Start them right. When you're working with other people, transfer some of these lessons to that, okay? So we're going to close. We're going to close with a song. Uh, Thanks for your attention. I hope I was able to relay some kind of truth in this outdoor setting. And I hope it was something that'll be memorable to you. Um, just as you think about your relationship with the Lord and with kids or other people that you met, the Lord may bring into your life to disciple. Uh, just a good day to worship the Lord. Thanks for being here. And so train up a child in the way you should go, and let's really all think about that. The way is Jesus Christ. Okay. Any other way ends in sadness and disaster and a wreck. The only way. To have peace in life is to submit your heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to let him be your trainer and let him be your boss. And if you do so, you'll be blessed. You won't be perfect any more than she's perfect for me, but you will be blessed. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the animal kingdom that you give to us. many lessons that we can learn And, Lord, I pray that as we leave here today, each of us would leave with some truth written in our heart. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Our final song is I Had Decided to Follow Jesus, and I don't have the page number for that. Um, I have decided to follow Jesus. Page six. I have decided to follow Jesus. Thank you you for for the truths we could hear this morning. Father, we ask that you would help us ourselves individually, but help us as we train our families, help the families in this church, each of our families, that we would uh, teach God's Word to our children, that we would model them, that we would walk through the issues and circumstances of life with, with you alongside. And, Lord, that you can raise up another generation that will... Love you, follow you, and walk in your footsteps. Lord, help us uh, this day. May we have a good week. We thank you for this morning of worship and study. And it's in our Lord's name. Amen.